So we have here a Hakil, a virtual Hakil, Baruch Hashem. And uh, regards from the Kinnas Hashluchim. Um, we'll come back to some of those ideas soon. But meanwhile, I want to say a couple of words in memory of the Dain Ernfroy, all of us, who passed away this past week. He uh, was a great friend, Ish uh, Yosho. A person who was very uh, straight and supportive. I had occasion to be in the Bezdin for a bit of practice on Gittin, etc. And he was very welcoming. There also, uh, as far as the America's Rabona Europa, there was a time where the Riedas Rabbi, the European Conference, and I went went there as they encouraged Lubavitch Rabbonim to go there, and we met at the station. And he was says yes, they're all about Rabbanim belong there. They, that's they 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 deserve to be recognised in the Vidas Rabbanim Europa. But, uh, and he was always a supportive person and Yehizich uh, Baruch. Let's go to our first child first child of have the week, and that is, I was last Shabbos at the Oihel and. One of the guests for Meritus Royal benches Goimel, and everyone responds, Amen. And he says, Amen. And this is the first time I've noticed this, and I was a bit surprised. And he was surprised that I'd never heard of it. So this is quite interesting. When it comes to Borchu, so the Alter Rebbe writes in the Siddur not to answer Omi. That the Derveld, the Chazah says, Baruch Hashem Veirach. And then the Tzibur say, Baruch Hashem Veirach, Leilam Voet. No, the Chazah is not going to be outdone. So he also says, he joins in with the Tzibur. He also says, Baruch Hashem Veirach, Leilam Voet. So then the Tzibur and the Derveld say, Omi. So the Alter Rebbe takes exception to this. He says like this, the Chazin has said Baruch Hashem Hamvech Le'olam Vod to acknowledge that he's joining in with the Tzibur. So what's the point of the Tzibur saying Amen when the Chazin has just affirmed that he agrees with them? So why are they saying Amen? So there it's superfluous. But here it's actually different. Here what's happened. A person has gone through some uh, trauma, whatever, and he said a bracha. He thanks Hashem for having come through safely and see and for his thanking Hashem. So they assembled, say, Amen. And they also add a bracha, they add a bracha that just like you've been given good at this occasion, you should be given good forever. So that's a new bracha. So the chayre should make it Amen. And indeed, this is the Minagas Fardim. This you can see you have on the screen, Benish Chai in Parshas Akev. I saw it in several, as I do doing a bit of research, I saw it in several Svardish Sidurim. So he says, before you said, because I'm going well, so the Svardim would say, Apostle, Gaydash, and Machalev, and then you make a broche, and then they, the people listening will respond, 
So the the one who's saying the bracha will acknowledge the bracha of the assembled to him with Omin. Omin can So this is the Svarda Shaminik. Uh, I don't know why it's not also the Minik by Ashkenazim. We do also answer Omin to a bracha, not a formal bracha. If someone gives you a, a wish, we'll say Omin to that wish. So why why not after um, um, I don't know the answer. Just Derek Agav, Shliach sent me an email this week about WhatsApp that he lives in a town where there's no minion. So should he say Birchasagoimel now or should he wait? Could be a few weeks till the next time he has a minion. So I wrote back to him Birchasagoimel has to be with 10 people. There's no, none there's. You see the Russian, um, whatever the Russian is, the possible, it has to be an Edo, it has to be 10 people. So you can't say without a minion. So uh, don't just you know, have to wait, that's all. Um, yeah, let's go on. Okay. So when I was in Eretz Israel recently, I noticed the custom there. Now, then we know that they've got every day in many places. The custom there is to have a little, uh, like a rug, on the floor in front of the Aron Kaidesh, and the Kohanim stand on the rug. So someone this past week asked me a question, since we've been discussing a bit about Birchas Kohanim recently, he asked, what's the significance of this rug? <clears throat> on a very simplistic level, I thought it's simply that the Kohanim are taking off their shoes, and if it's in a in marble floor, or stone floor it's called, so uh, put a rug there that they shouldn't have to stand on the cold floor. But in the Piskei Shubas, in Simon Kuf which is all about Birchas Koyanim, so we have the idea of Duchan. The word Duchan means a platform. He says it's in Arabic. I don't speak Arabic very well, but he says it means a platform. Fine. <clears throat> and... Um, the Kohenim, we have the loss in the Kohenim of Oile Le Duchan. It's actually a bit confusing because the Duchan in the Beis HaMikdosh was actually, is actually the platform where the Levim stand to sing, etc. And the Kohenim, their position for Birchas Kohenim is on the steps, on the 12 steps leading up to the Ulam. If there weren't enough, wasn't enough space on the steps of the Ulam, then they would, the overflow would go to the Duchan HaLevim. But it's curious how, in over the years, it's generated, it's changed that we uh, use duchanim for koyanim. As we know, we have, uh, we say every morning in davening, koyanim bavridosim, levim beduchanom, yisrael bemamoda. But now duchan is understood as, it's, it's, it's a koyanim thing, as it may be. But the, the koyanim also, it is that they would stand on a platform. And... Um, <clears throat> It's preferable that the Kayanim should stand on something a little bit raised up. And he even mentions that there are those who say it should be more than three, three Tvachim. And in the absence of, of a platform, so that's where we have the idea of this rug is like in absence where there's a platform is not practical to have at least a rug. So I found this very interesting <clears throat> because when it comes to Shemoyin Esra, you have on the side, on the, uh, the, second, the, on the left-hand side of your screen, you have here a quote 
that Shmonesra, you're not allowed to stand on the raised platform. Uh, you shouldn't be standing on a step. So, and here, here's the opposite. Why is Bichas Koyanim Dafka on a raised platform? And Shmonesra is not on a raised platform. Dafka not. So here you have the Loshna Shekhanaruch. Lo yamed al Sishwa Shmonesra. Lo yamed al Gabe, Mito, Kisei, Kao Safsol. Ela b'mokim nomo. One should not be professing high, uh, height um, um, pride before Hashem. So when we stand, we stand in, in, in prayer, we stand in, in a humble position. So that's why we don't stand on a, on, a, on a raised platform. So why is it appropriate for the Kohanim to stand on the raised platform? Just before getting into the this beer, which is a beautiful, interesting thing, just practically... Uh, in Chabad, Lav Davka, this, this rug, and sometimes places, sometimes they did put a rug in our shuls, uh, Lav Davka, in 770, the earlier years, there were there was no platform in the front. The Rebbe stood on the floor level, and the Koenim, I presume, also stood on the, on the floor level. In the, Lam, in the later Lamids for Tishri, they made a platform for the Rebbe, just for Tishri. And then uh, the, from that point onwards, that was only for Tishri. Later years, it became the platform was there for the whole year. But that platform, so the Koenim, the Rebbe would go for Duchenen, for Bechaz Koenim, the Rebbe would go down from the platform, stand on the floor level, and the Koenim, whoever could, would scramble up onto the Rebbe's platform to be able to be face-to-face to the Rebbe. And there were plenty of Koenim who didn't fit up there and they would be on the floor. So this idea of having a, a rug on the floor for the Koenim was, was, for my knowledge, wasn't a standard thing in Chabad, but it does happen in other places. And so this is where we're talking about the minhig of giving the Koenim a pedestal. So the answer to this is, why is Koenim, Bechaz Koenim, with a pedestal? Hashemun Esther Dafku on the floor. <clears throat> with an, I'll explain with another thing, that the Koenim, stand with their back to the Oren Kodesh, which is, what's the Pshat? So the Pshat is, the Kohanim are not standing there to do their own piece. The Kohanim are there, standing up front, and they are relaying Hashem's bracha. So this, as if they are in front of the royal palace, and they are giving over the word of Hashem to the bracha of Hashem, to the congregation. So it's not that they're turning their back on the palace. On the contrary, they're coming out with a message from the palace. So that's the significant the meaning. And so that's why the Kohen was standing with their back to the Yoran Kodesh, facing the Kahila. And that may also explain why they're standing on a pedestal. Because again, they are here. They are the messengers of Hashem to give that bracha. Someone pointed out to me yesterday also, it says in Poskim, that when the Kohenim raised their hands in prayer, blessing, they can put their hands uh, in the down position rather than the up position. But your hands up is to receive. Your hands down is to give. This came up in the discussion about the menorah. I mentioned yesterday, but I gave, gave over the same word yesterday. In Shul, so we have a few, few non-Chabad chassidim there, and I, I thought it would be news to them, the whole beer of the Rebbe, where the Rambam draws the menorah, in Rambam in Pesha, Mishnayas, and Nanachas, he draws the menorah. So in the Chumash, in Pashas, is it Pashas Truma, describes the menorah 
and it has the cup features, Gvim, and three cups on each on each of the branches, and all those 21 cups in all, and one down the bottom. Okay. And the Rambam curiously draws those cups inverted with their with the mouth of the cup downwards. And <clears throat> the Rebbe says, although the Rambam apologizes, and he says that his drawing is not going to be totally accurate, but still to do 21 cups upside down is a bit more than being just inaccurate. It's obviously, he had an intention. We don't know the Rambam's source, but the Rebbe took the view that the Menorah, the Rambam's, the thought, although we don't know the source, but the, the thought about it is the Menorah has this message. It's relaying Hashem's light, the light of Kedusha to the world. And therefore, and then we have the idea of the windows of the Beis Hamikdosh being narrow on the inside and wide on the outside. It says in the Postuk, so one of the meanings of that is that Atumim is narrow on the inside and Shkufim is wide on the outside. And the message being, to radiate light to the whole world. Fine. So now, one thing leading to the other. My um, my son Yaakov Zalazangizont, who's my technical advisor, and he's the one who puts this shear on various platforms, etc. So Koicho Yoffe in in taking um, images and making them um, what do you call it a virtual reality, and he's been involved in a project of making a virtual reality based amigdosh, and you put on those goggles. And you feel you think you're inside the base amygdala, so you can walk around and you can go up and down, and it's an amazing experience. So he was recently interviewed when I had a Simarambam said Avoida, and so he shared with me the clip. So here you see the clip of the Menorah and the brown curtain at the back, brown, red, whatever it is, is the Parochas to the Kodesh Akadashim. And in front of it is the step. Now, we all know that the menorah has three steps leading up to it. Rashi mentions it even in Chumash. So that, that we all know. But what bothered me, and if you want to look up the, um, the, the strip, you've got, whilst it's on the screen, you've got the uh, link written on top left. You can see the link there. Make a note of it if you want to follow it up. But meanwhile, uh, I was bothered by the fact that the Koyan is lighting the menorah and he's got his back to the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Bothered me. And I asked my son, where do you get it from? So he says in the Rebbe's Rashimus, it has that the Koyan stands on the west and that when he lights the menorah. So, okay, I, checked, I looked it up. And here we have them, this, there's the Rebbe's Rashimus and menorah, which he wrote. And it was only published after, the, after Gimel Tamos. Uh, it's at the time, in the non-vobs approximately, it came out in 20 weekly uh, booklets. Fascinating study of the Menorah, of the Menorah in the Besamekish. Let me explain something. There are two opinions in the, in, the, in the Chazal, whether the Menorah was placed, is placed, Sofrin Vedoroim or Mizrachumairo. Is it placed lengthways or is it placed widthways? If it's placed lengthways, which means that this end is near the west, and this end is near the east. So which is the Neir Marovi? We've got the Neir Marovi, the western 
lamp, lamp which burns so much longer than all the others. So you might have thought it's the last one. Actually, it's the second one. This is the extreme east, one step away from extreme east. That second one is called the name Maravi. But we are following at the moment the other shitta, the other opinion that the Menorah is Miz is Sofrin Vidoro, that one end is close to the north wall and, and the other end is close to this to the south wall. So which is the name Aravi? They're all equally close to the east and the west, as you see in the picture. So which is the name Aravi? The name Aravi is the middle one. Okay, let's point to the to the screen. The name Aravi is the middle one, and that is because each of the lamps has got a spout and a wick. And those spouts and the wicks are tilted, are, are, are inclined towards the middle one, with the exception of the middle one. And that middle one is tilted towards, inclined towards the west, to the, to the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Hence its name, Neir Marovi. Now, imagine if you are standing, if the coin would be standing on the other side of the Menorah, on the east side of the Menorah, and he has to light the Menorah, he has to light this wick which is on the other side. So he's going to have to put his hands over the burning flames. It's going to be quite awkward. And therefore it makes perfect sense that he's standing on the west side to light the menorah, the, the, the flame, which is tilted to the west. So now let's read the Rebbe's Lashen here. It's, been, it's part of a long discussion, which we're not bringing here, that the menorah, the koyen who is Fixing up and lighting the menorah is on the west side. Even the p because the spout of the middle one is tilted towards the west. So he shouldn't set alight his garments if he's going to start stretching over. In his sorry, the that the stone was. Which this is the steps, the three steps, they were on the west. Right, that's as much as is relevant. So coming back to this thread, we've got the Koyanim standing by Birchas Koyanim with their backs to the Oren Kodesh. And the word is because they are relaying Hashem's Brocha. And they are that is that is based upon the Koyanim standing on the Malois Ulam, on the steps of the Ulam with their backs to the Ulam. With their backs to the Kodesh and the Kodesh Akadoshim, again, the message is they are relaying Hashem's Brocha. So I'm taking this one step further and to say that the fact that the Koyan is lighting the Menorah, he is relaying Hashem's light, the light of Kedusha, which starts from the Kodesh Akadoshim, in not in physical light, but in spiritual light. And from there, that light of Kedusha is spreading to the whole world. And therefore, he stands with his back to the Kodesh Shakadoshim and lights the Menorah and from the Menorah to spread light through the whole world. Okay, let's just see some of the chats here. <clears throat> Going back to the question of Goimel, there is indeed a preference to say Birchasa Goimel within three days of arrival, etc., when it's not available. Then it's, it will have to be delayed. Well, what can we do? It's, it's uh, another whole journey to find a minion if in, in where he lives. Right. Someone is pointing out that other diagrams which don't have the cups upside down. Okay, but you know, the Rambam is still quite a good authority for us. Um, there's, there's a, you're mentioning about the Kernim raising their arms, how high? 
There, so there is an opinion which says that the coin goddle does not raise its hands higher than the breast, the head plate that sits. Okay, let's move on. Right, so now back to Crown Heights. So I'm diving in the shul, and it's a, it's a long, as in from, from Tophen to Dorham, it's very wide. And from front to back, it's quite narrow. Never mind. It's divided with a mechitza. So there's the first minion stabbings in the one part, and then half an hour later starts the second minion in the second part. So someone is sitting in the second part of the shul, and he's not in a rush, so he's learning some, uh, some chesidas before davening. <coughs> and someone comes over to him and he says, and the, the main shul that just came to Kedusha, and he didn't join in standing up for Kedusha. So someone ranked him out for this. Um, why didn't you stand up for Kedusha? So he asks me, why me? I don't know, because, you know, I, I just, I'm sitting there in shul, I've got a question mark on my forehead. So he comes over to me and he says, um, do I have, am I mukhuyu to stand up? So here we have from... Um, in Shukhanaruch, and the Loshan is very similar in the in the Mechaber, in the, um, this is in Simenon Hay, and let's read the words, When we talk about being part of a minion, then you'd have to be in the same room. If you already have 10 people in a room, and they are because they have the quorum, so they have saying Kadesh Kedusha. Even any anyone who is even in a different house altogether, if you hear a Sibut saying Kedusha, you may say with them. And you have the idea of a film There's the barrier, there's no barrier. And nevertheless, there is an opinion which says if in between the listener and the Sibur, there is either schmutz, as in human excrement, or Avedazara, they create a barrier and he cannot answer on. <clears throat> okay, I'm not going to go into that detail. I think perhaps we've discussed it before. But meanwhile, we have the Loshan, Yochoilan <coughs> So there's a minion davening saying Kedusha, I'm in another room. I have I'm allowed to join in. Does that mean I have to? So there are a minority of poskim who say Yochel means not only you're allowed to, but you should. But the majority of poskim disagree with that, and they say Yochel means you have the option. And the lower quote is from Rabbi Shlomo Zalman Oyerbach, and let's read his Loshen, and he's talking about um, you're in the shul, never mind the head you're in the shul. Who asked you're learning? You don't have to interrupt your learning to answer, answer, Amen He says, there is physically noticeable because everyone stands up, people bow, and people bow. If you're not going to join in, it's going to be more noticeable. Therefore, he says, you should interrupt to answer. So he's, he's saying basically it's optional, but if it's in the same room and it's going to be noticeable, then you should be mafsik. But certainly then, if it's in another room, then we're going to use this principle of yochelano. It means you have the option, but you're not mechuyiv to, to answer amen, etc., uh, especially if you're in the middle of learning, etc. 
I had asked this question to Rabzal Mashimin, uh, going back 40 something years ago. And I asked in reference to 770, learning in 770, and you've got Minyonim at the side, one after the other. And he quoted the Gemara of uh, one of the Amiroim who was learning on his own during Kriya Satoira. And when he was challenged, he said, Anan bididan v'inhu bididhu. And the, the Mephoshes say he had already heard Kriya Satoira. And he was, so he was doing his own thing. And uh, he don't know, so he, the Rabbi used the same principle. And the contemporary post can also discuss, what do you do, let's say, by the curse on the Marovi, where you've got many minyonim simultaneously, but they're not synchronized. So you're in the middle of your minion, another minion is up to somewhere else, and there is this view that you focus on what your minion is doing, and you're not mechoyev to interrupt your davening for another minion. So you can focus on your own unit. And they're not all identical situations, but that's the general drift. Let's move on. Okay. <clears throat> so one of our listeners asked me, he was challenged by some lomdim, um, about eating before davening on Shabbos morning, that you'd have to make Kiddush. Now, this is actually the opinion of the, the Mishnah Brura in Simon Reish Peites, where they're discussing the dinim of Kiddush Hayoim, Kiddush of the day. So the Mishnah Brura in Bialocho, he says, if a person, because of health reasons, needs to eat before davening, he needs to make Kiddush. But the there's many poskim who disagree with this. What I have in my notes is particularly the Karen Ladovid, who was a dying in Satmer before the war, and then also the uh, Shefa Chaim, or I think that's where it is, the the um, the late Kloisenberger Rebbe also writes about this. But there's several for him, several contemporary poskim take a lenient view. Let's take a look over here. This is from the Piskei Shubbas. The general consensus is a choyle who has to eat a little bit to give him strength, uh, even if he's having mazoinas, does not make this before davening because it's not the time for a suda. Now let's scroll down. We'll look at the Alter Rebbe's Loshen in two places, and it's curiously in Sima Peites and Sima Reish Peites. And here he talks about, he's talking about drinking. And he talks about drinking my water before davening. And even Shabbos and Yom to you had to drink before davening. And the fact that you haven't made Kiddush doesn't matter. And it's not time for eating. So, you can argue, Abi is eating, yeah. And here you have in the Resim Resh Peites, Achmut Elishtus Mai in Koydin Tfilas Hashacha, Kivin Shadayin Loichal Olav Kecheves Hakidush. So we have this lotion of the Alter Rebbe that before Shacharis is not a meal time, and therefore there's no Chiv of Kiddush. I often emphasize to Talmidim that if you eat before davening, it's not it's not a meal time. It's just to give you enough energy. To be able to tide over till that you shouldn't be disturbed if you're davening and you should be able to focus on your davening but it's not a, uh, a time for a meal means to get have your fill and 
and if there's going to be a more tasty kind of cake, so to any Einuk Shabbos is to have a more tasty cake. But before davening is not time for eating. It's just it's a time for if you need to have something to give you energy, but not 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 a time for uh, indulging. All right now. So this is where we see the consensus of the certain is that you don't have to make Kiddush before Shah before Shacharis. Now, what about it was once at the oil for a Shabbos a few years ago, and <clears throat> perhaps it was summer. A Bocher had perhaps he was very busy with him, saw him a whole day. The Poyal at seven o'clock is looking for a rov. <laughs> he had fallen asleep, but he fell asleep without making Kiddush. So now it's seven o'clock in the morning. He wants to have something to eat before davening. Does he have to make kiddush before davening? This is kiddush. The, the long, in other words, if a person didn't make kiddush on Friday night, then on Shabbos day they'd have to say the long kiddush with the long bracha. So does he? Can he uh, eat before davening? When? When? Uh, so here the Piskat Shuvas writes that if a person didn't make kiddush at night. And then he already has a chiyav of Kiddush that he wouldn't be allowed to drink before davening because the fact that he's already got the chiyav of Kiddush, so he's not allowed to drink. And then he writes in the note here that other, uh, others are more lenient. So this is very interesting. See, Friday night, you're not allowed to have it, um, eat a drink before Kiddush at all. It's not a question of Mansura. There's a dinner, you're not allowed to eat or drink before Kiddush. So the fact that you got up in the morning, but the chi of Kiddush, which started already at nightfall, uh, remains there. That's the argument to say that you are not allowed to eat before Kiddush um, in the morning. The argument to the lenient says that it's not as man suda at night. You make to make Kiddush because now is the time to go and have a suda. But before Shacharis in the morning is not as man suda. So there are two opinions about this. Okay, let's. Someone's pointing out that in Ger, they are makled even before Musaf to have uh, to have mezainas and a drink. Okay, as I say, Nara Nara Pashte, everyone's entitled to their to them in Hogim and right. So we've gone through that. Right. So here, a child, I'm sitting on the bus in uh, New York, and the Shliach says to me, "I have a, a couple of interesting questions." One question is, <clears throat> we are built, putting up a menorah for Hanukkah with a kind permission of the mayor. The mayor, and we're very grateful, so we want to give him a right to the Rebbe, a brocha for the mayor. The mayor happens to be that his father is Jewish and his mother isn't Jewish. Generally, when people would mention a goy for a brocha to the Rebbe, so then the Rebbe would ask for Shmoy Veshem Oviv. So for a Yid, we go according to the mother. And with a Goy, the Brocha is, is we use the, the father's name. <laughs> Funny thing is that, you know, sad. But this fellow, his father is Jewish, but Lalocha is not counted as his father, obviously. So the mother, all right, but don't give the mother's name for, for a Brocha. So what do you do here? So after thinking a bit, I said that we have another option. And this is in Simon Kuflamid Tess in the Dinam of Kriya Satoida. What happens if you have a child who you don't know the father's name? 
you know the mother's name, and the father, we don't know who it is. Asufi or Shasuki, we don't know who the father is. So then we should use the mother's father's name. So the maternal grandfather. So I suggested in this case, with this Goy whose father, his biological father is a Yid, you can't use that name, use the Christina's father is whatever, Ronaldo, whatever, use the, the mother's father's name. Then he tells me another interesting story um, that there was a, a, a Jewish fellow, a Jewish fellow, and he noticed that over the years, he had never, his father had been very cold to him. And he didn't understand. And he, he so with some shrewdness, he managed to pull off and get a DNA from his father and his own DNA, and there was no connection. So after some pressure, his mother admitted that at a certain stage, she had had relations with a non-Jew, with a just soldier, and he was conceived from this other person. Okay, it's not a mamzer because the other person wasn't Jewish, the other man. But now he's asking, what, how do you call him up to the Torah, this fellow? Do you call him up with his, <clears throat> well, his, his, his mother's husband name, or do you, uh, and, and this is, and the, his biological father is a guy. So, so again, here, I would have to use this Asufi Shizuki uh, story, use the mother's father's name. This is the mother's Jewish, her father's name. Or in the absence of that, we'll use the name uh, of Avraham. Okay, let's move on. One of our listeners asked me during the week that he, in the middle of Shonestra, realized that he's facing the wrong direction. So what do you do now? So it's a straightforward stuff, but practical stuff. When you're middle of Shonestra, you don't really have the option to go and look it up, yeah? So now, this is in Simit Sadik Dalad, the... Simon, which talks about which direction to face for davening, is Simon Tzadik Dalad. If you want to remember, you would think about the word Tzad, which means a side or direction. Okay, so here it's clear in the Altar of He's talking first if he's facing the north or south, slightly off direction, then he can tilt a little bit. But if he's facing Mamash the opposite direction, he shouldn't turn his face all the, to, to the side because he can't really face. You can't, you know, you can't do a 180 degree turnabout whilst your feet are on the same place. And therefore, he says, third line, yeah? don't need to move. You can just stay where you are. <clears throat> Indeed, there were sages in the time of the Gemara and the Mishnah who would pray to the to the west? That this is this idea that the shchina is in the west. This has got nothing to do with the mokim hamikdosh. The idea of the shchina being in the west is that it, it says in the Gemara, why is the sun moving from east to west? Because the sun is bowing. The sun is bowing to the shchina in the west. So that's where we have the idea that Shekhinah is in the West. There is a, uh, 
the Alter Rebbe brings this in, in Sidarim Dach about the, the tremendous speed which the sun is moving because it's it's of its beetle to the Eberstein, it's moving you know, hundreds and hundreds of miles in a second to be able to be Mishtachave to the Shechina Bebeirer. And um, Rav Kosher in his Sefer uh, Kavatarich, he he's surprised, he says, I don't understand that Balatanya was such a so knowledgeable in astronomy, didn't he know, you know, the, uh, how do you say, the Copernicus um, model that the sun, the, the sun is not bound anywhere, it's the earth, earth which is rotating, whatever. But Al Kaponin, this is the Alter Rebbe, writes this, he knew, he knew about Copernicus also. He says that the sun is bowing to the Shechina, and it's but a tremendous beetle, that's why it's moving so fast. Al Kaponin, so the word Chachomim, who would bow, who would daven towards the west, and there were those who davened, just at random, any direction, because they felt the skin is all over. It doesn't matter which way you face. Yes, you already started davening, so then you don't have to interrupt your davening to move your feet to face Eretz So this is very simple. If you started davening and you're facing the wrong direction, you continue davening and you don't have to start moving around. Let's move on. Okay. <clears throat> Last week it came up in discussion about that we had a, the discussion about a shiva house and you got a through lounge and the fact that if there's a, a doorway, so then it's not automatic that everyone is counted as a minion unless they show their face. And so someone, one of our listeners who listens to the recording, so he sent me this map, this drawing of his shul and as you can see it's a long um, long room and towards the back of the room there is a small another a, a little cheder sheni and sometimes you have a struggle a small a small uh, amount of people just about a, less than a minion in a main shul and you've got the people in the cheder sheni who well, they sometimes are, are a little bit how you say, uh, not so cooperative, and they want to have their privacy in the Chedashaini. So what's the story? So is this a Lachatchila? So, you know, he, he does ask them at least to stand in a position that they should be able to see the other people in the room. And you can understand if they're tucked in the corner of the Chedashaini, they won't be able to see the people in the room and the people in the room can't see them, depending where they are. So, and he asks also, is this a Lachatchila? So let's take a look. Where does this whole story come from? The showing your face and all that. So Simon Kuftzadik Hey, this is not in Chastfila. This is in, the, in the, this is talking about Zimon. So here, this is based upon the Mishnah, the Gemara. If you have two groups, whether they're eating in one house or in two separate houses, and there isn't a street interrupting between them. If some of this group can see some of the other group, then the two groups can join into one and they can make a bracha. If there's five over here, five over here, then they can say a bracha, you know, as if they are a quorum of ten. <coughs> then I'm skipping to Siv Gimel. Some are indoors, some are outdoors. And now I'm going to assume for the moment that the two groups in Sif Gimel cannot see one another. But then we have an interesting 
idea. Im hamavorech yoishev al hamifton, if the leader of the benching is sitting on the threshold, seeing the outsiders and the insiders, so then humitzarfon, he is able to combine the two groups to become one group. So even though the two groups cannot see one another, but if the leader is able to see both groups, so he is acting as a bridge to join them. Fine, very good. So we have the first point is, if they can see one another, they join. And then we've got the second point is, if they cannot see one another, but the leader would be, in able to see both groups, is able to join them also. Now, this is in the dinam of Zimun. The Rashba is the one who says that this also applies for tefillah, to make up a minion for tefillah. Roinim, Vilnagoyen, and others disagree with the Rashba. Again, it's their uh, prerogative to disagree. But this is the way that the Alter Rebbe and many poskim take this view that they are mitzvah. Oh, I wanted to raise something. We said, we're going back to before, I think, if, if you're in the side room, we're going back to point three. If you're in the side room, can you join in? And so and contemporary posts can discuss, is that called davening betzibur? If there's a minion in the main room and you are in the side room, let's say they can manage, they have a minion without you. And you're davening in the side room. Are you davening b'tzibur? So some posts can say, if you are synchronizing, you're davening with the minion, it's called tefillah b'tzibur, even though you are not making up the tzibur. I'd like to say the following, since it's Shnas Hakil. And are you a hakilid? Are you instrumental in making the minion? Are you just a beneficiary of an existing minion? Or are you one of the instruments are making the minion? To be a hakilid, you should be making the minion, not to be in the other room. Yeah, you're, you're riding in the bus. There's already a minion. You're taking a free ride. All right. This is, it's, 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 you know, it's not, you can do worse things than that. But if you wanted to be a hakilid, so then you should be making the minion. So therefore, if you're in the room, then you're making the minion. All right. Let's go to the messages here. A couple of points here. complicated to me at the moment um, someone's asking can they can one of the mispalim stand on the threshold and tell the children and the answer is no it have to be that it's only the chazan the leader of the group of the groups can be the one who joins the two if you remember the good old days with um and when we had sometimes a struggle for a minion for, for two minion and there were two minion in either side downstairs in Beis Lubavitch. And so he would sometimes stand on the threshold between the two. So he was able to be, well, there it was. He could be making up this minion and that minion at the same time. But if you were a chazan, then you could actually stand on the threshold and have five in here, five in here, and you'd be able to uh, have, you know, combine them for a minute. But only the, it looks like only the leader can do that. Others, it has to be that they are visible to the, uh, one, one group has to be visible to the other. How many mibiksos? 
Oh, less than a minion, obviously. I don't know. Okay, let's move on. Right. So I was in New York for, I was there at Tuchasanus. And last week we saw, spoke about the having candles from the Badek. And so, and if you remember, what I pointed out was that sometimes because of the practicalities of a local scene, so they don't, they, they, they've dropped some stuff. So they, in, as I mentioned last week, in New York, the Kabbalah's Ponim is in uh, one, one place, and then the Chuppah is in, the, in, the, in front of 770. So they don't light the candles in the other place, they only light the candles when they get to 770. But um, so the, the people in New York were surprised that the Mechutten last Monday wanted Dafka to have the candles when he went to the, went to the Badekin. Now, here you have, in browse, browsing for looking for something else, I saw here's the Nachlas, Kitsu Nachlas Shiva, not to be confused, Nachlas Shiva. Nachlas Shiva is one of the um, prominent poskin going back about 400 years ago. And there's a, one of the things, Nachlas Shiva, he has lots of shtaris, the, the, uh, the Ksube and the Tenoim and various other forms of documents. So he's got the format for them. And so he's, it's kind of a bit of a manual for, for um, uh, officiating at a chasana. And then someone at the later stage, you can see his name is Osher Anshel Ben Meir Greenwald, going back 150 years ago, perhaps, made a manual, a small manual for a bonim officiating at weddings. He calls it Kitsunachlath Shiva. So this is what you have on the screen. And he says that the Shushvinim, the Mukhotonim, hold the chosen on one on either side. And each of the Mukhotonim in his other hand is holding an abuko, is holding a torch. And then they go to spread the Heinuma, which is the Badekin, over the Kala. And then and they tell the Chosen with the right foot, with the first, with the right foot. And, and some, some will make a point of telling the Chosen when you cover over the face of the Kala with the Badekin, it's the Inn of Chupa, which we discussed last week. I'm just di digressing for a moment. First of all, I, I was pleased to see that we have in that the earlier minute was clearly that they would go to the Badekin with the candles. Another thing which comes up is, about someone pointed out to me in an email this week about using a avuka. Avuka means like a havdala candle. Going back 50 years ago, it was normal by chasunas that the mechotonim would go with havdala candles and they would take a paper plate and cut a slit so that the wax shouldn't drip on their hands, but they went with havdala candles. Nowadays, you don't see havdala candles. They're going with regular candles and those candles are inside a glass. Now, again, this seems to be just... Uh, and I morphed kind of. Why did they have Havdala candles? There's a whole thing about uh, various reasons given for the Minhagim uh, of using Avukah. But the positive reason is you're walking outside, regular candle, a bit of wind is going to blow it out. You go with Havdala candle, it's going to endure in the, in the, in the, uh, in the weather. So they would go with Havdala candles. Now that they've started um, having these fancy glasses with protective, uh, you know, so there's no, there's no, it's, 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 of late, I haven't seen people going with, with dollar candles. They're going with regular candles inside a glass cover. But let's come back to, to uh, what I wanted to share with you is, again, that in <clears throat> the later Bensin Hakna, Oliver Shalom, he, uh, he, he preferred that we should do first the Chosen gets dressed in a kittel, etc., and then goes to the Badekin, and then goes straight to the chuppah. And we've had sometimes guests from, 
from New York who well, never heard of such a thing. Well, you could go to Badekin and then you get the chosen dressed. The practicalities are that in New York, again, the chosen and the Bakabal's ponim and the Badekin are in, let's say, across the street or wherever else it is. And then they come to the, the Chopes in 770, and then they get the Chosen dress. So the whole procedure of dressing dress the Chosen happens in 770 after the Badekin. But other places, is Labdafka, that's the Seder. And now let's just take a look at a record of the Rebbe's Chasna, where this is written in Yemei Melech and other places. The, I think it's from Ali Chaim Alto's memoirs. He says, after the Kabbalah's ponim, the Rebbe, with the, as in the Frederick Rebbe, went with the Chosen to a, a private room and they spent a, a short while there. Whilst they were there, the Rebbe says to his son-in-law that really he's going to put on his gartel, the Rebbe is going to put on the gartel to his future son-in-law. He says, I would have liked to say the bracha, and because I really said the bracha in the morning, I'm not going to say the bracha again. And then he puts on the gartel around the Chosen's waist and he says, I'm now, now binding you with, to me in this world, in the world to come. Okay, so the Rebbe, the Frederick Rebbe, puts on the gartel to the Chosen as a preparation for the Chopin. Then, he says, right after that, they go out of this private room, then they take the Chosen to the Badekin, and they sing the Alta Rebbe's Nigin. It doesn't talk about candles here. Uh, when they lit the candles, that's what I was looking for, but I didn't find that. But meanwhile, what we're seeing here is that the, <clears throat> that the Chosen was already dressed with the gartel and I'm assuming with the kittel etc all of that took place um, first and then the chosen goes to the badakin and then I guess straight to the chopper after that right someone's asking would a left-footed chosen go out with a left foot I don't know there's a 310 page safer called Dine Eater and it goes into all these kind of details um, when when the chosen uh, left-footed chosen needs to know this, I'll bleed later. We'll look it up. Okay. Now, what I found very gratifying whilst I was in New York, that many people came over to me and said that they listened to the Shia regularly, and uh, so obviously it's very encouraging. But meanwhile, I felt also it's a union of responsibility if I have the opportunity to put a word in people's ears. Um, Meva Layam, etc. It's a responsibility. So, as I mentioned before, this shul where I was davening in, in Crown Heights, and it's not the only one where it's uh, the Mizrach and is short and Sofim Adorim is long. And if it's a busy place, so you're getting into the issue of when you want to go somewhere in or out, there's someone davening Shunestra and passing in front of them and davening Shunestra. Now, it's not this, this problem is not peculiar to those minyanim. I've, I've noticed this neglect of this halacha of walking in front of a person, davening shmanesra. I've seen it in many shuls, including in our own shul over here. Sometimes someone is, uh, let's say, a chazan is davening the omid, and someone walks over to get a safer, or once goes over to, to light the candles. It's very important to light the candles, but if a davening person davening shmanesra, you don't stand in front of them and light the candles. It's the, it's well, let's take a look at this halocha. Yeah, this is a simkuf base. Also, lavid kneged hamispalalim betoich dalad amas shalifneya. One is not allowed to walk in front of someone who's davening shmonesra within the four amas in front of them. Shemot is battle kavanosom. 
in case their kavona will be disrupted. From the side, you are allowed to but if they can see you and it's, again it's going to be disturbed then the Zoya says even by the side you shouldn't you shouldn't be disturbing them from the, from the side be that as it may so there is clearly a halacha if a person is one shouldn't be walking in front of them because it will disrupt their kavana now the Piskechuvas has got various exceptions one of them is if the person has his eyes closed, then okay, then you're not disturbing him because his eyes are closed. But if it's happening in a siddha, so then you can see what's going on in the near 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 you, and therefore well, that is an issue. Yes, there are there are poskim who mention that this refers to Kaddish too, but the Altarebbe. I once wrote to Rabbi Ginsburg about this, and he I says that Altarebbe doesn't bring it. Um, yeah. Just a second, just read all. Yeah. Right. So then, but what, what, what else I found here, which is useful, he says, if the person stands in a place where it's actually, it's not a place for davening, it's a place for, it's like a corridor, then you can't block the tzibur, and he says, l'chatchile, it should be machmir, uh, not to pass by, but if you are in a rush to, to, to do what you have to do, then you would be allowed to cross if the person kind of is is is, is playing in a in a corridor space. <clears throat> but if that corridor space is also a place for davening, so then one shouldn't be passing in front of them. So if you've got this kind of narrow, long shul. Then the whole shul is a mocking for Daphne. Yeah. Right. So th th that is a problem. And what I, all I, what I want to use this opportunity is to say the following. That if you're not davening at the same time as the minion, a little bit earlier or later, well, and I'm not going to your cheshbainas, so then don't stand at the back of the shul where people will have to walk in front of you. Make, you, make it your business to stand more towards the front of the shul in a place where it's not going to cause people to have to walk in front of you. It can't solve all the world's problems, but you yourself, if you can choose a place where you're not going to cause people walking in front of you, that should be your, your uh, preferred position for Shvanesra. When the minion is down and you're down with a the minion, then People in, in any case shouldn't be passing by, but again, um, right, let's move on to our last point for tonight, and that is oh, to finish off on a Gishmaka note, and that is about a certain kind of cake, and it's a kind of cake which I was given the explanation that it's you make the cake and you also pour a syrup on the cake before baking. And curiously, the cake bakes and the syrup remains syrup. And you have, it's mamish uh, like caramel. It's soft and, 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 and liquid at the same time. You have, and as you buy, but it, it's, it's uh, the, 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 the pinnacle of taiva is that when this cake is hot, so then you have the warm cake and the syrup is hot and it's really very, very gishmak. The shaila is, 
are you allowed to warm it up on Shabbos? To put it not directly on the, but to look at it, to put it on top of the uh, Shabbos kettle, to put in a double decker, so to speak, are you allowed to do so on Shabbos? So sadly, the answer is no. And the reason is, and we can see here from Simashin Yudches, that we have a concept of Bishul Achabishul, by solids, Ein Bishul Achabishul. So taking something which is cooked and reheating it is not a problem of Bishul, because once it's cooked, recooking it, it does not make any difference. But whereas with liquids, so the view is generally, we take the view that Yesh Bishul Achabishul, which means that reheating liquids is considered cooking. There are those who disagree and they say once it's cooked, there's Ein Bishul, but the Psach remains that Yesh Bishul Achabishul Badovalach, so reheating a liquid is a issue of Bishul. Therefore, to take this cake and warm it up and, and the syrup inside, which is a liquid, is going to be reheated, is, is going to be usur, even, let's say, to put it in a place just for five minutes. But if it, if it were left for half an hour or whatever, it, the, the liquid would reach Yadzu Ledes Boy, then you wouldn't be allowed to. If it's in a position that even a, a prolonged stay, it would never reach Yadzu Ledes Boy, then that would be permitted. Let's just finish off and read a couple of... There is a second reason, because the Shechina is the Dalad Amas, of the mispalo, in which case eyes closed makes no difference. Okay, that's Rebbe Ephraim Potash, and this is a plug for a sefer called Arba Amos Sheltfilo by Rebbe Mordechai Potash, who has about 300 pages about this Indian of Dal Arba Amos Sheltfilo. Um, you're, so you're saying that even if the eyes of the mispalo are closed, also you shouldn't walk in front of him. Okay, um, is that Alpi Nigla, Alpi Chsida, Alpi Kabola? Doesn't have to stand or avoid walk in front of a late Kamusa after the minion has gone further in davening. So that's what we're seeing here. That if it's a mocking filler, even though he, he shouldn't have been he should have davened earlier, but it's a mocking filler, then then you yeah that is it is a problem. Then in, in the Piskit Shuvas in this uh, area he has uh, various heterim. Let's say if you called up a Lila Toira you called up to Lila Torah, and there's a person down in Shemonestri. So sometimes there are other considerations which will override that you would be allowed to walk over. But, um, yeah. Right. Okay. Um, I'm asked to share the recipe. Okay, perhaps next time. Meanwhile, I'll wish you all a good Tavoch, a good Chodesh, and Chodesh HaGeula. You should see the Gula Shleim of Amitis, and Roshiach Tzitkeinu, Meir Yameinu Mamesh. Call to. Hmm.